This is taken from the Independent Order of Odd Fellows. Friendship. You gain a new family and the members of your lodge and a vast network of brothers and sisters worldwide. By joining Oddfellows with your friends, it helps to give a deeper purpose and meaning to your friendship. We are a diverse organization and have members of all faiths, races, genders, occupations, and abilities with over 600,000 members in over 10,000 lodges in 30 countries. Love. The historic command of the Oddfellow is to visit the sick, relieve the distressed, bury the dead, and educate the orphan. You get to take an active role in helping your community and the world be a better place. Local lodges help out their communities in any way they choose and are unified together in larger projects. Truth. Be a part of the history and the mystery. As an odd fellow, you get to be a member of one of the world's oldest and largest fraternal orders. Rituals, symbols, and degrees are designed to elevate and improve the character of mankind. By taking these lessons to heart, you become a better person and in turn help to make the world around you a better place. You're odd. I am odd. <laughs> and I'm Ingrid. Oh, I'm Jessica. Wasn't there a show called Odd Fellows? I'm not sure. No, Odd Couple. It was Odd Couple, not Odd okay. Fellows. Well, so like we said last week, I was really annoyed once I started looking into doing a secret society because all the ones that were really interesting to me are super huge. And the ones the smaller ones it's like a two minute talk about <laughs> um and then that's it and then i saw i'm like okay let me look into into this because i'm odd <laughs> as a duck as a duck and then so i started looking into it and i said oh my gosh this is actually quite lovely and i think i really like this society and it was perfect because I need a break sometimes from doing hard, hard emotional and psychological stories because plug it, plug it one and three, plug it one and three. (laughs) I just covered Claire Wood's story last week and that's, it's really sad and Mm -hmm. it's heavy. And this was a nice, a nice light break from it. So they're a good secret society? Well, would you like to find out more? Oh, please do tell. Okay. I, I, I don't know what that was. That was a weird thing. It it was. It was odd. It was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, my sources for this are just going to be listed on the show notes because there's a ton of them and I don't need to list them all verbally. Okay. Okay, so we're going to go back in time again today. Yay. Yay. Today we're going to the 1600s. Oh, dang. And here are a few notable events. The English East India Tea Company was created. Jessica, do you remember them? I do. We talked about them. We sure did. You did, not we. I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. The Boston Tea Party. 
What did we name that one? Uh, oh, I did not drink tea in college. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Uh, the first permanent English colony, Jamestown, Virginia, was established. The French colony, Quebec, was established in Canada. The moons of Jupiter are seen through a telescope by Galileo. The first African slaves are brought to North America. The pilgrims and the Mayflower land at Plymouth Rock, and the Taj Mahal was completed. The Great Plague of 1665 and the Great Fire of 1666 hit London. Okay. So unlike my Mr. Peanut episode, there's a little bit that has to do with what I'm talking about today. <laughs> but most of that, no. <laughs> <laughs> Was this a great period to live in? Well, if it were, you only had about 30 to 40 years to enjoy it because that was the average life expectancy. And and it's average. So some people would live into their 60s, but the majority of people actually died in youth. Wow. So then when you take the average, it's 30 to 40. Dang. Okay. That's so sad. It is sad. And it could be partly due to the fact there was no hygiene. No one understood that germs and bacteria could flourish on surfaces and easily be passed from one individual to another by coughing in their faces. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas. <laughs> mm. This one's, this is fun. Medicine was often the use of different herbs and pow powders. So some of the favorite powders came from dried toad. Bazoar. Yeah. Bazoar stone, which you may have heard of if you've read the Harry Potter, Harry Potter series. And it was created by the tears of a stag, which turned to stone. Hmm. And what? unicorn horn powder. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So illness is quite common. In fact, the 17th century is when the is when the bubonic plague had its largest impact, killing 75,000. The plague, which actually affected the world for centuries, was passed from. Do you know how it was passed? It was rats, wasn't it? Well, the fleas from the rats. Oh, okay. Would bite the humans. It was characterized by black sores, swollen tongues, vomiting, splitting headache. When one person had signs of the bubonic plague, also known as the Black Death, the entire house was quarantined, which sealed the fate of the entire and like the, the rest of the inhabitants of that house. The front door would be marked with a red painted cross. And in the evenings, the corpses would be summoned with a cry of bring out your dead in which the living would oblige. The, the bodies would then be taken to designated plague pits. The wealthy would leave the area until the plague had run its course. The poor did not have that option. So speaking of the wealthy and the poor, here's a little bit about the English class system. At the top was nobility. Noblemen were rich and powerful. They were either noble by birthright or by grant from the monarchy. Kings and queens were threatened by their power, so rarely appointed new noblemen. Next in line were the gentry. The gentry were comprised of knights, squires, gentlemen, and gentlewomen. They had enough fortune that manual labor was not something they would have to concern themselves with. One could work their way up, marry into, or be born into this class. The middle class were the yeomanry. Luck and management of their money determined how comfortable they could live. Unforeseen illness, famine, or natural disasters could easily wipe out their wealth. 
And finally, at the bottom were the poor. These individuals did not have food, shelter, or money. Later, poor laws were passed to assist the rapidly growing population. If a poor person were discovered to be able to work but falsify they couldn't, they could be sentenced to death. And that brings me to my secret society, the Independent Order of Oddfellows. In typical Ingrid fashion, I began writing this and going down one pathway before I actually fell on a credible resource. And the order... (laughs) Was it a fictional book again? It was not. (laughs) That was not a credible resource. So the Order of Oddfellows has a variety of branches, and I think most of them share the core values of friendship, love, and truth, but there are some differences. Because of this, there's some discrepancy over when the society was actually created. And because I had already looked up all that information on the 17th century, I left it in there. (laughs) Okay. And that was one time frame where people believed that perhaps the Order of Oddfellows had began. But there's also different dates. Some are the 12th and 13th centuries, while others mention the 1800s. The earliest date I actually found was 587 B.C., what? Yeah. Well, and this was a, they said it was a fraternity that was created amongst Jewish prisoners for mutual support. But thankfully, I fell upon the podcast, The Three Links Podcast. And they are actual odd fellows. And there's hmm. three hosts. And I mean, you can't get more accurate than that. And so when they were discussing kind of the origination, they laughed at the whole um, Jewish thing. So I guess that's not accurate. Mm. And I I think the origination of the Order of Oddfellows in England is, is the true originator, but then the American branch is the independent Order of Oddfellows. But like as... As I was doing all of this, I thought all of this was the independent order. And then I started listening to them and I straightened myself out. So as I said, it's alluded that the original, well, it's not alluded, it is. The original order of Oddfellows originated in England. So we should have made a, told people to have a drinking game for how many times you say origin or originated in one minute. Because that'd be like five shots right there. It's a tongue twister. (laughs) You have to do the five shots and then you have to say it. Exactly. Yes. So as I described, unless you were of upper class lineage in 17th century England, life was difficult. Everyone, including nobility and perhaps more so nobility, was somewhat self-centered. But no judgment here because it was mostly due to the need of self-preservation. And there are a couple of reasons given for the development and naming of the Order of Oddfellows. The goal was to help those within their society, but also their communities. That philosophy was new and therefore odd, considered odd. The other consideration, oh, look, consider, consider, consider. Ah. (laughs) Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. So the other consideration was there were multiple guilds, which are pretty much the precursors to unions for various trades and professions. Some trades didn't have their own guilds because there were of a, a smaller niche, more or less, and they were all grouped together as odd jobs, and therefore that's where 
they think they may have gotten their name. So regardless of the actual origination of or the naming process, the Order of Oddfellows has remained true to its philanthropic roots. With the growing number of guilds and societies and economic changes, the English authorities became paranoid of a potential revolt and looked to the numerous fraternities to be the possible instigators. Therefore, they banned them. And instead of this dismantling the societies, the societies just moved underground. Now, the Odd Fellows were not planning an uprising, but due to the ban, they too created secret handshakes, passwords, and questions only fellow brethren would know. In the 1800s, the Order of Odd Fellows was first introduced to America by a na- man named Thomas Wildey. He was born in London in 1782 and joined the British Odd Fellows in 1804. Answering an advertisement or an advertisement, Placed by Wildey in the newspaper, John Welch, John Duncan, John Cheatham, and Richard Rushworth. Rushworth. Oh, why does Richard have to not be a John? Come on. No? No. Okay. (laughs) And Richard Rushworth formed the Independent Order of Oddfellows in April 1819. From there forward... Wildey quickly set up lodges throughout the country. He died in 1861 with more than 200,000 independent order of Oddfellow members. And that number continued to grow. And in 1922, with over 2 million members, the independent order of Oddfellows was the largest fraternity. Wildey was orphaned around age five, which is why many believe the independent order of Oddfellows specifically mentions taking care of orphans. Now, America did not have the ban on fraternities like England did, but the secret passwords, handshakes, etc. persisted in order to help prevent fraud. The fraternity was known to aid its brethren. Dues would be collected and used to help those who fell on hard times, to assist in funeral costs, to help for care for to help care for the family of an odd fellow who had died, and other reasons. The order also assisted times when an odd fellow was without employment. That person would go to their nearest lodge who would attempt to help him find a job. If unable to do so, he would be given a card and he would travel to the next lodge. This process would continue until he was able to secure employment. He would then hand his card to that lodge to be available for the next Oddfellow in need. The passwords were utilized as proof one was an actual Oddfellow and nobody could take advantage of the fraternity. So the cards, secret handshakes, and passwords would be a benefit to those who were illiterate, too. And also of great assistance was the three-link so the three-link symbol, which helped direct Oddfellows to lodges. The symbol looks like a chain link, and like I said, there's three of them, and it stands for friendship, love, and trust, the three things I named in the intro. This also provides the three stages for new members. The first stage of friendship focuses on developing teamwork and unity while leaving behind jealousy and competition. The second stage, love, leads one to becoming accepting of everyone, regardless of class, religion, nationality, or gender. The final stage involves understanding and implementation of the various symbols. So a few of those symbols are the all-seeing eye, 
which proves the understanding of a greater power that watches and scrutinizes all one does, thinks, and says. There's the symbol, which is a bundle of sticks. One stick is easily overcome, but when grouped together in a bundle, it's unbreakable, which symbolizes how one must rely on his brethren and continue to work together. And the Sith represents mortality. Another representation of mortality are the controversial skeletons. A skull or multiple bones are brought out during initiations. These bones are not apprehended in a shady way. There was no murderer. There's no grave robbing. In the 19th century, individuals would donate their remains for differing reasons, one of which may have been due to insufficient burial funds. And regardless of why, these remains would be used for a variety of purposes, like for scientific study. So these remains could be purchased legally. And it's believed that is how the Independent Order of Oddfellows came to have them. The purpose of the bones are not creepy either. Like I said, they were and are used to represent mortality. This look at mortality is to emphasize earthly wealth is left behind after death. It also stresses life is short and suggests members contribute as much good as they can. And um, it's actually kind of like when you think of Ash Wednesday um, in certain like uh, Catholic based religions, you go up and your, your pastor or your priest puts a cross on your forehead of ashes and says, you know, this is for us to remember from ashes we came into ashes we return. So it's just a reminder of your mortality. Now I mentioned the all-inclusive ideology of the independent order of Oddfellows, and that was not always the case. Women were not allowed in the society until 1851 when Schuyler Colfax, a supporter of women's suffrage, petitioned for it to be so. And that is what marked the creation of the Rebecca's. While designed as non-secular, the Independent Order of Oddfellows named this group of women after the Hebrew wife of Isaac and mother to Jacob. That is so crazy is when I was doing my research for the Molly Maguires, they referenced the Rebecca riots. And I didn't like, I didn't Ah. go into it, but I, yeah, so it must have been something to do with that. It must have been because it's about the same, it was about the same time frame. Huh. Crazy, crazy cool. Oh, that is interesting. I'm gonna have to. I didn't. I didn't dive into the Rebecca's, but I thought they had to be mentioned. I also did not dive in, and I did. Um, I sadly also did not know that was a point of Ash Wednesday. (laughs) Yes, it is. Uh, Don't tell our Catholic mom. So initially, the membership was only offered to wives, widows, or daughters of Odd Fellows. But then eventually it was opened up to accept anyone. And in fact, today, even men are capable of being a Rebecca. And they're still tied to the odd fellows. I think there's some overlap, but then I think there are some kind of separate ideals as well. While the England branch of odd fellows widely accepted all nationalities and races, the American branch did not. Peter Ogden was a black man and part of the Liverpool branch of Oddfellows. He moved to New York where he was not allowed membership. And of course, you know, this is uh, Civil War era, Jim Crow era. It was a rough time to be black and be in America. 
And I'm not talking about 2023 because that is still a difficult time. (laughs) (laughs) But that's so so crazy. Like you're one in England and you move like the origin and you can't mm -hmm. join. Oh, that's so stupid. Yes. And he petitioned the England branch and was granted permission to begin. And and I'm not sure if the branch is the correct term here, but I was listening to this when I was driving and I forgot the word they used, but um, he was granted permission to begin a new branch in America for black individuals. So the, the black order, it, they didn't call themselves a black order of odd fellows, but the, um, the black branches were able to flourish. However, they always remained segregated from their white counterparts for approximately a century. Oh my gosh. It was then that a worldwide acceptance of race and nationality was adopted and promoted full integration in all branches. The independent order of odd fellows is still in operation today, as you could obviously tell because there's a podcast about them. While secret handshakes and passwords are no longer necessary, they continue on for the sake of tradition and to preserve history. The group no longer has the need to assist its members as it did when it once originated, but they still hold true to their philanthropic ways. They run and donate to orphanage and orphanages and senior centers and homes. They organize food drives. They provide scholarships, and that's just naming a few of their accomplishments. Um, so notable odd fellows include, interestingly... President Rutherford B. Hayes, whom I just <gasps> mentioned in my Mr. Pina episode. That did not win the popular vote. Right. Mm. Yes. Other U.S. presidents include William Mc- President. I'm going to just, I'm putting president in front of all their names, okay? William McKinley, Harry Truman, Frank- Franklin Roosevelt, Ulysses S. Grant, and Warren Harding. There are multiple vice presidents, senators, congressmen, and other politicians. Gustav V, King of Sweden, Wyatt Earp, Burl Ives, Charles Lindbergh, Olav V of Norway, Sir Winston Churchill, Charlie Chaplin, First Lady of the United States, Eleanor Roosevelt, George Fourth, King of Hanover and the United Kingdom, and various prime ministers. Wow, that's quite a elaborate crew. It sure is. And that's them. I think they sound awesome. I wonder what it takes to join the Odd Fellows. Well, one of the hosts said, You want to know our secrets? Come join us. We'll tell you everything. <laughs> mm. Um, but it, it sounds like it's a lot of work, but good work. I mean, it honestly sounds like something I would totally be interested in doing if I had an extra minute of life to spare. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of volunteering, like, uh, looking out for your fellow human kind of thing. Yes. And I think that's, that's what, I think that's what I really liked about it. I was like, oh, look at humanity <laughs> mm-hmm. and all inclusiveness and accepting of everything. And everyone. It's lovely. The lovely independent order of Oddfellows. Wow. Well done. Thanks. Welks. Okay. Bees. Be an Oddfellow. Be odd. 
don't be scared to lose your power to other organizations that band up together. Don't be a stick left on your own. Be a bundle of branches. Ooh, I like that. I actually loved that when you talked about that. That was good. Well, thanks, everybody. Yes, thank you for joining us today. We are no longer going to tell you what we're doing for the next episode in case we need to change good our minds. call. Good call. <laughs> good call. All I kept thinking is we ended that episode with, was that a secret? Oh, no. I think that's why we procrastinated recording. And then you even whispered, you're like, bye. I did. Thank you for listening to our secret. Marsha. 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 It's you. Bye, bye, <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye, bye. If you'd like to reach out to us or submit your situation, please contact us at another situation podcast at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at another situation podcast. We're also on Facebook at another situation. Another situation is produced and edited by 0.5 Pinoy. Music is written and performed by Tim Crow. Bye.